This is Make It Okay Stories, the podcast brought to you by the Iowa Healthy Estate Initiative. Make It Okay is a community campaign to reduce stigma by starting conversations and increasing understanding about mental illness. In this podcast, you'll hear from Iowans who want to share their personal stories of living with mental illness in an effort to reduce stigma for others. This episode features Wes, an Iowa transplant, husband and father with anxiety and depression. Before we hear from Wes, we'd like to take a moment to thank Business Solver for supporting this podcast. Since 1998, Business Solver has delivered market-changing benefits technology and services supported by an intrinsic responsiveness to client needs. The company creates client programs that maximize benefits program investment, minimize risk exposure, and engage employees with easy-to-use solutions and communication tools to assist them in making wise and cost-efficient benefits solutions. Founded by HR professionals, Business Solver's unwavering service-oriented culture and secure SaaS platform provide measurable success in its mission to provide complete client delight. Learn more and download a suite of free resources to assist you in promoting mental health in the workplace at businesssolver.com. Thank you, Business Solver. Now it's time to hear from Wes. My name is Wes Malgren, and I spent over 12 years living in New York and Chicago before choosing to move to Iowa with my wife and two boys uh, to the Des Moines area a few years ago. And I'm excited to tell my story because I hope that maybe this can shed some light for some of the folks out there that are dealing with depression and and anxiety. Rock bottom can come in many forms. And for me, it was sitting in the Des Moines airport, eyes red and dry, eating an old turkey sandwich with liquefied tomatoes wrapped in cellophane. It cost $8, which is about seven and a half dollars too much. I felt like I had made bad choices. The fates or karma or God or whatever you believe had judged me and delivered me this shit sandwich as I waited to board a plane when the ink was still drying on my brother's death certificate. I was wrong though. It doesn't begin with bad choices. It begins with ignorance. And I mean ignorance in the truest sense of the word, like willfully tuning out the obvious. In my case, the tale of my anxiety and depression had been written over and over again. It had been written in the cycle of building and breaking down personal relationships. It had been written in the dedication and resentment I had for my work, who I was undyingly loyal to. It had been written in the reliance on alcohol to be social and my reluctance to feel uncomfortable or awkward. And most importantly, it was written in the shame that I had for myself. I just hadn't really taken the time to read that story and to understand myself until I ate that sandwich and faced the morbid potential of maintaining my ignorance. I had tried therapy and counseling a few years earlier. It had helped me manage some of my troubling behavior. It helped me kind of recognize the power of those who were actually standing by me and supporting me instead of seeking out those who I thought were cool or fun. You know, kind of this like typical 20-something-year-old stuff. And with that also came the power of introspection and recognizing that there was the power to change and that was inside of me. But while I peeled back a couple layers of the onion, I hadn't truly addressed the deeper issues in my mental health. 
and sitting in the airport, I felt like I deserved everything leading up to that horrible, disgusting sandwich. I don't know if it was necessarily that that was the turning point, but following the funeral and time with my family that was filled with more silence than memory, time where I recognized how mental health had played into my brother's death and how it was clearly written in our family history. I came back and I knew that it was imperative that I change. I knew I couldn't do it alone. And so I mustered some courage and tried to find a therapist as quickly as I could. It does take courage and bravery to call someone up and say, I need help. And it's hard to ask about insurance, and to tell your story over and over again because you're not going to find someone right away. And then you also have to wait for them to return your call. You have to make sure that you're not in earshot of someone who doesn't understand what you're going through. And that all takes courage. And after about a year of this counseling treatment and tools like meditation and exercising, eating right and journaling, I realized that all of those things couldn't really deliver me from my lowest lows. These tools couldn't deliver me from my own internal issues my problems that were fundamental. I couldn't flip a switch and make me happy with these tools. They could help, and they did help in, in lots of ways, uh, mostly in baby steps and knowing that I could make change for myself. But it took a full year of practicing and working hard with those tools to realize that the only stone I had left unturned was medication, a prescription. I went to my counselor and I told her that I had felt like I had made progress, but it still feels like I'm taking a test over and over again and can only really get a C or a C plus, that it was taking me a lot of time to get there, meditation and working out and eating right, a lot of time and effort, and I was finally okay admitting that I might need to change the chemical imbalance in my body to make progress without it taking so much time. And she agreed. She asked that I talk to my primary care physician, walk her through my treatment journey, and ask for a prescription. Strangely enough, with two weeks on that prescription, I felt change. It wasn't a happy pill. It wasn't like all of a sudden a better, brighter person had emerged from within me. But I felt like the floor had been lifted two feet, giving my lows a better place to rest. This gave me room to finally get to work on repairing the relationships that I had failed to repair before and the space to be kinder to myself. I really regret that I hadn't turned that stone over sooner. The medication made it crystal clear that my body's chemistry was different than most people. I wasted at least a decade of my life knowing that there was something wrong with me that I had some form of depression and anxiety, and it could have been treated by medication, but I was too proud to ask for it. I still feel robbed for the time I toiled with my depression without medication, but it doesn't compare to the sigh of relief I feel no longer being stuck in my mental health journey, being able to continue making progress. 
Getting my mental health on track might be the greatest accomplishment that I've ever made in my life. And it makes all of my other accomplishments a little bit sweeter, knowing that my mind isn't running on a treadmill and I can actually give myself a little bit of time to enjoy it. I'm still a work in progress, and I'm still learning a lot about myself on a regular basis. I may not be acing the daily tests life throws at us, but I frequently get B's or even A-minuses here and there, and it's more and more rare for me to dip below that, and I'm comfortable living in that space. Thank you, Wes. You can read more stories just like Wes's on the stories page of the Make It Okay website. Find it at makeitokay.org backslash Iowa. Anxiety and depression, like Wes experiences, are common. Here to tell us more about these conditions is Dr. Brandon Van Heshi at Mercy One. Hello, I am Dr. Van Heshi and I am a psychiatrist with Mercy One. The more we can understand mental illness and common conditions, the more we can talk about it and reduce stigma and make it okay. I am here to share some common signs, symptoms, and treatments for two conditions you just heard about, anxiety and depression. Anxiety and depression are two of the most prevalent psychiatric disorders and encompass many different forms. While most commonly occurring in a person's 20s, they can occur at any age for any number of reasons. Every aspect about a person's daily life can have a potential impact on the way they experience these disorders, which can make it daunting to talk about or approach. Approximately one in four people may have or develop an anxiety disorder in their lifetime. In the U.S., this figure is upwards of 30% of adults and adolescents that may experience this disorder. It can take many forms, from generalized anxiety, social anxiety, separation anxiety, or even as panic disorder. Some common symptoms of anxiety are excessive worry that is difficult to control, sleep disturbances and fatigue, and restlessness, feeling on edge, or irritability. Around 1 in 6 people may develop a depressive disorder in their lifetime. In the U.S., over 17 million adults and over 2 million adolescents are estimated to have experienced depression. Unfortunately, up to 30% of adults and up to 60% of adolescents never receive care for their condition. Various depressive disorders include major depressive disorder, dysthymia, or persistent depressive disorder, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and disruptive mood dysregulation disorder in children. Some common symptoms of depression are daily low mood or diminished interest or pleasure in activities. You can have feelings of worthlessness, being empty, or feeling hopeless. Insomnia or excessive sleep can occur You can also have difficulties concentrating or indecisiveness. Most concerning are recurrent thoughts of death or suicidal ideation. Both of these family of disorders have a high rate of co-occurrence. It is not common to have more than one type of anxiety disorder, and about half of the people with anxiety disorders also have a mood disorder such as depression. Within major depressive disorder, upwards of 60% of people will have an anxiety disorder. One thing to remember is that while we have learned about some common symptoms, no two people truly experience these conditions the same. You may develop one of these disorders through major life events such as a job loss, difficulty in school, moving to a new location, or it may be many small stressors that you don't even realize that can lead to difficulty. Thankfully, anxiety and depression are treatable. The most common treatments are medications and therapy. 
While some of these disorders may be manageable with therapy alone, both options together tend to make the greatest difference. Treatment can also take time, but if you give the support a chance and put effort into getting better, then you likely will. If you or someone you know is experiencing symptoms of anxiety or depression, then please reach out to a physician or clinic for support. If you or someone you know is dealing with suicidal thoughts, then please encourage them to call a suicide hotline or help them to the nearest emergency department for safety and support. Remember that it is okay to seek help and that there are people on supports to help you persevere. Thank you, Dr. Van Heshi, for helping us better understand these conditions. And a special thanks to Mercy One for providing segments from your mental health care experts. While mental illnesses are common and treatable, many people are still afraid to talk about mental illness due to shame, misunderstanding, negative attitudes, and fear of discrimination. The goal of Make It Okay is to end the stigma. To learn more about Make It Okay, visit makeitokay.org backslash Iowa for resources, including tips for talking about mental illness and links to become a Make It Okay ambassador or get your workplace involved. We've also got links to mental health support and crisis lines if you or someone you know is struggling with mental illness. Want to help us stop stigma? Take the online pledge to Make It Okay. You can find it at makeitokay.org backslash Iowa. Thank you for listening to this episode of Make It Okay Stories, the podcast. Please share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. Together, we can make it okay. This podcast is supported by Business Solver.